0: Well, hey, I'm Stephen, the pastor back from the dead. (laughs) I mean, I've kind of been back, you know, but not really, right? So uh, I am very, very, very excited to talk to you about the sabbatical. Um, That's We're looking back at last year, and the sabbatical was a huge part of my year. And so I want to start by reading a passage of Scripture, and then I'm going to talk to you about the sabbatical, um, give you some highlights. Uh, The passage of Scripture that I'm going to read is in your bulletin. If you want to, there's even a place there. If I say something that you might want to write down, you can do that. Um, i not guaranteeing you that I'm going to say something that's worth, no, I think actually I will. I think I will. Um, so let's start by reading Exodus 31, uh, verses 12 to 17. Friends, this is God's word. This is what set out the sabbatical. It says this, this is God talking. He says, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel That in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. God was refreshed on the first Sabbath. That's interesting. Um, So a sabbatical is really, it's an extended Sabbath rest. And my sabbatical was a time of deep, deep refreshment. Um, Through it, I was able to relax, to re-energize, and to spend a lot of time focused on my family, on God, uh, and to dream about the future of our church. And I experienced the gospel and the presence of God deeply in profound ways. Um, And it started right here. Um, It started here, not on October 1st, when my sabbatical was supposed to start, but it started the day before, because the day before October 1st was September 30th, which was a Sunday. And so it was my last Sunday, and I preached, and there were two services. And after the second service, you know, I hung out with people. I said goodbye to folks. People gave me hugs. And then my sabbatical started. Um, I had my sermon notes in my hand, and I threw them away. And I walked home from church because I had nowhere to go. I had nowhere to be. I live like three miles from here, so it wasn't that far. I mean, but I had nothing to do because I was on sabbatical. And so I walked home. I literally, I stepped out those doors, just walked out and turned right. And I started walking up 16th Street. And I didn't realize that I was on sabbatical just yet. Like, I kind of felt it. I was like, ooh, it kind of felt like, uh, you know, the first day of summer, you know, uh, after school's out. But I got to that, to the corner right there on 16th and F Street, and the light was green and the hand was flashing. You know, the red hand was flashing. And I was like, oh, and I kind of jumped into the crosswalk because I thought I got to rush to get over. And I was like, wait, wait, I'm not in a hurry. <laughs> I have nowhere to be. I have nothing to do. And so I jumped back on the curb and just stood there. And I watched the light go from green to yellow to red. And I joyfully watched cars driving in front of me going the other way. And then I watched the light go from red to green. And I crossed the street and I aimlessly walked home. It was amazing, it was amazing. And I felt the freedom of the gospel. I felt the freedom that Jesus promises in Matthew 11, verses 28 and 30, when he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so I experienced this radical freedom and so, what did I do with that freedom? Well, I'll tell you. I me mean, First, I'll give you an overview with some numbers. Okay, so this is the, the numbers of it. So, during my sabbatical, October through December, I ran 400 miles. I drove 5,000 miles, and I flew 13,000 miles. I visited over 40 cities in four states in the United States and Canada. I slept outdoors two and a half nights. So... There's a story on the half night. You can ask me about it. I don't have time to tell you right now. Um, But I also spent the night in the airport one night. I had loads of fun with my family and with friends. So I snowboarded in Banff, Canada. Uh, I rock climbed. I ran in nine degree Fahrenheit weather. So that's like negative 18 degrees Celsius if you do the math. Um, And then I hot tubbed in water that was 95 degrees hotter than the air. So hot tub was 104, and in the air it was 9 degrees. It was amazing. Um, And in all of my adventures, I separated my shoulder three times. So that's a drag, because that's now a thing. So, you know, this, I don't know, maybe at some point surgery, who knows. But three times separated my shoulder. So i want to give you a visual. Here's the map of where I went. Okay, the red lines are flights, and the black lines are driving. Um, And then let me tell you, let me give you the highlights. First was baseball. The first week of my sabbatical, I got to fly to New York, and then I bust to Boston because my best friend from childhood, my best friend from childhood is a coach on the New York Yankees coaching staff, and he got me tickets to the wild card game and the first two playoff games against Boston. Um, and I caught a ball during batting practice, which is impressive only until you hear that my best friend is also one of the people who pitches batting practice. So when I say I caught the ball, it's because he threw it to me. It wasn't because I caught a ball. So a little humility there. Um, then when I was in Boston, here's a photo of a church in Boston. It was founded in 1660. Five, and I saw this I was like crazy because the marquee like so that's actually a cutout from the marquee over the church First Baptist Church founded in 1665 and I was like whoa like this is our country and it was around 350 years ago I live in California I think we were founded in 1850 you know like nothing's that old but in Boston stuff's old so that was cool um, and then there were the mountains so I took a road trip by myself, from San Diego to Sacramento. I drove for seven days up Highway 1. um, And at night, I'd usually drive from Highway 1, from Pacific Coast Highway, into the mountains, and then I'd sleep uh, outdoors under the stars. One morning, there were these clouds. Um, I woke up outdoors, and the clouds... Go to the next slide. The clouds looked like the ocean, and the mountains looked like islands. This was amazing. Amazing. And the coast was amazing. Uh, Let me show you this picture of, uh, this is part of the beach near Malibu Pier. um, And this strip of land has water on both sides. And it made me feel like I was walking on an island in the Caribbean. So I ended up at one point on the trip at the San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge. I spent the night at the bridge. um, And these are photos of both the bridge and the skyline at night, where the light, with the lights, and then also the next morning when the fog rolls in. It's really striking images there. And then um, I took two trips to Canada uh, to visit my best friend from college. Um, on the left are the trails that we ran in the snow, and then on the right are photos of us walking on water. Um, we, uh, we hiked across this huge frozen lake to islands that were at the center of the water. So there was lots and lots and lots of fun. Uh, but then uh, let me give you some more numbers. Um, I think I did over, over 75 hours of reading books, of listening to books, to sermons, to lectures, to podcasts, um, just to take in information uh, about God, about ministry, about myself, about um, family dynamics, about marriage, about all, you know, all these different things, I had over one hundred and sixty meetings with people during those three months, and so these meetings were these were good conversations with family friends, coaches, counselors, and colleagues. You now this is what the Bible calls fellowship fellowship um, where I spent time enjoying life in the presence of God with people that I love. It was a rich time of growth, of exploring, of processing, of learning. Um, And then I wrote over a 100 pages. uh, That's typed single-spaced. So praying, thinking, dreaming, and planning about the future. And I guess I feel like with these bullets, for a lot of you, this might sound exhausting, Um, someone came up to me afterwards and said, after the first service and said, like, that sounds like the worst experience I've ever heard. (laughs) Like 160 me, I'm exhausted just listening to you talk about that stuff. And so I understand that where people are wired differently. For me, this was so refreshing. For me to do all of this. I mean, yes, some of it was hard work. Like some of it was difficult, some of it were challenging conversations, some of it were areas where I'd have to look at myself, but it's wonderful to have this time to do this kind of soul searching, this kind of God searching. You know, it's like that when you do that unbelievably exhausting workout and then you're done, (laughs) you know, the feeling of being done with your workout, I'm not sure that there's a better feeling than that, Um, but that's what this was like. Uh, because all the sabbatical literature that I read uh, in preparation included this this effort of doing self-assessment, look at the uh, a deep look at the major areas of life, at your marriage, at your parenting, at your work, at your friendships, you know, etc. And so I spent a lot of time face to face with God, a lot of time bringing these areas before Him and looking at them and trying really hard to be honest to be honest about the good, the good things that God has done in me and that God has done through me and the areas that I need to work on, areas to grow and to mature. And in this, I was asking God to be honest with me about where I'm at, uh, about where he wants me to go and about the future of our church. And I spent most of my Bible-oriented time in the Gospel of John. Um, I've read the Gospel of John probably a 100 times but uh, I committed myself to this because I, I wanted to spend time with Jesus. I wanted to see him again in fresh ways. And so I asked God to give me new eyes and he did. He did. And so over and over and over again, I came face to face with God and the way that he shows us what he's like in the life of Jesus. Jesus is the revelation of God. Jesus is what God is like. And so to, I watched Jesus interact with people. I mean, there's times when he is so patient, but he's also so honest about his own feelings. There's times when Jesus is so loving, and yet he's so affected by the people that he loves. His love is not indifferent. His love is not untouched, but he is moved and affected by what affects the people that he cares about. And so I saw in Jesus both the highs and the lows, like the thumbs up and the thumbs down of his life and the meh times too. They're all in there. Um, And as I saw Jesus relating to people in his life, I felt Jesus relating to me. And I think this is why these things are written. I felt Jesus say to me, I love you. I care about you. Um, And I saw in Jesus' life the things that kept him going. Like what kept Jesus moving forward, willing and able to to press into the difficulties of his life and then his ultimate death. And I I was amazed particularly by his interactions with Pontius Pilate. So Pontius Pilate was the Roman governor at the time of the area of Israel. Um, When things began to unravel for Jesus... Um, It's the end of the gospel story uh, where he's betrayed, he's abandoned by his disciples, and then he's arrested, and he's falsely accused and then falsely condemned, and he was ushered in front of the Roman governor because the Jews wanted him dead, and they couldn't kill him, but the Romans could. And so he hands Jesus over to the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, and Pilate is there trying to interact with Jesus. He's trying to untangle the conflict, but Jesus wouldn't answer his questions. And so Pilate says to him in John 19, uh, verses 10 and 11, Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and authority to crucify you? It's like, what are you doing? Like, don't you realize that I, I represent Caesar here and we're in charge. I can kill you or I can let you go. He's like, I know they've handed you over. There's some weird stuff going on between you and them and this religious stuff, and I don't really, really want to get my hands involved in this, but like, don't you, like, how could you not answer my questions? Like, here I am, and you're not talking to me? He's like, I have all the power. I can make you or break you, and you won't talk to me. And Jesus answered him in verse 11. He says, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. So Pilate's operating under the Roman economy, under the way that things work in the Roman world, and that's might makes right. I've got swords, I've got men, I've got an army, so I get what I want, I have all the power. But Jesus corrects him. And he says, actually, you only have power because God gave it to you. And so when Jesus was being mistreated, when Jesus was being falsely accused, when things in Jesus's life fell apart, he had all the power and he used none of it for himself. What kept Jesus going was a powerful trust in God. Jesus submitted to Pilate's power because he knew God had a larger plan and a larger purpose. Jesus used all the power that God had given him, the power that he had because uh, he was God and he used the power of God to trust God, to face An unjust trial and death. And he did it for us. He did it for you. Jesus knew that his death would open up the heavens and pour out forgiveness from heaven, would pour out power and acceptance and life. A truly living with real meaning, with real purpose, with real satisfaction. Like that's the life that Jesus came to bring and that's the life that his death made heaven burst open and pour out on everyone who follows Jesus. And so I saw Jesus showing his power by trusting God. And Jesus said to me, Stephen, I did this for you. I love you and I am with you. And so over and over and over again during my sabbatical, as I was thinking and writing, as I was assessing and looking at my strengths and my weaknesses, at the areas I need to grow and the things that that I've done well, over and over again, I would turn to Jesus and say, man, do you see what I've experienced? Do you see what I'm going through right now? And Jesus would look at me and say, yeah, I do. Me too. Like, I get it. And I'd say, wait, Jesus, hold on. (laughs) You experienced this too, didn't you? And Jesus, sometimes he'd get tears in his eyes and he'd say, yeah, I know what this is like. And I did experience it so that you would know that you're never alone. we're going to spend this year pursuing this God. We're going to spend this year experiencing more of this God in more parts of our lives. I'm going to outline the map of how we're going to do that next week, because we're going to look next week at the year to come. Um, And I'm excited because... I'm not just going to teach you stuff that the Bible says. I mean, I will do that. But I'm going to teach you things that have powerfully impacted my life and have powerfully shaped my life and deepened my experience of God. I'm excited for what God has in store for us. And so I want to encourage you, I mean, right now, just to keep your heart open. Just to open your heart to where God is going to lead us this year. And come with me. Let's pray. Jesus, I continue to be astonished, but I'm—I guess I'm, well, I'm not astonished anymore. Um, I'm, I'm moved, but I'm not surprised anymore that a book that is thousands of years old is living and active today. I'm so grateful that the way that you related to people back then continues to be this channel for you to relate to us and for us to relate to you. We open our hearts to you now. Some of us follow you with eager hearts. Some of us aren't following you yet. But we all want to step forward into your presence and open ourselves up to see you and to experience you this year. And so thank you for your faithfulness expressed to us last year. Thank you for your faithfulness and the power that you have given to each one of us in every area, in every circumstance of our lives last year. We love you and we want to follow you. So be with us as we do. We pray this in your name. Amen. We're going to receive our offering next. So if you want to give to our church, um, I just want to, like all the